Hi, I am Tingan, and this is the Parents in Tech Podcast. Welcome to Season 1, where we interview mums who are technology company leaders based in Southeast Asia. We want to hear stories, hopes, challenges, and tips from mums who are raising kids while pursuing their career aspirations. In this episode, we speak to Sandra, Chief Operating Officer at Igloo, an insurtech company. Sandra has been working in C-level roles in fintech since 2016. Prior, she worked in finance in Central Europe and Malaysia. Sandra opens up about her miscarriage she suffered from a few years back and how she bounced back. Today, she's a proud mom of a daughter, aged 21 months old. Hey Sandra, welcome to the Parents in Tech podcast. To begin with, could you tell us a bit more about your family? Hi there, thanks a lot for having me. So my family is currently me, my husband, uh, Ashwin, and our daughter, Anuki, who is 20 months old now. That's wonderful. So tell us a bit more about what you do at work and when your daughter, let's say, grows up in the next couple of years, how would you explain your job to her? <laughs> so I'm a COO at Igloo Insure, which is an insurtech company based in Singapore mm-hmm. with offices across the region. So we're currently in most uh, Southeast Asian markets and also in Chengdu in China. Mm. How would I explain it to my daughter? So right now, the good thing is I just have to say I have to work and she sees me on my computer and she wants to see sometimes when I have meetings, but I don't have to explain more. I guess I would explain it to her is aiming to provide protection and peace of mind to people across Southeast Asia. But the moment I said it, I think she wouldn't actually understand. So I probably <laughs> have a couple of more years to figure that out. <laughs> yes, uh, this is like a rehearsal and then not to worry, you still have plenty of time. So maybe Sergio, take us back to the time when you and your husband were thinking about having children. When was that? What did conversations look like? So we met when we were both in our 20s still. And I think for me, it was always something that I was considering in my 30s. And I was like, you know, feeling I have plenty of time, nothing to worry, not to rush. I think for him, it was interestingly always very different. He would have started rather sooner than later. Mm. But I guess that's also where the difference comes in. Like I was really worried about how it will affect my career. I didn't feel like I was in a position yet to take time to have a family. I was very worried about that. And for him, it was a bit like, we will wing it. Don't worry. All good. <laughs> so we actually waited about five or six years after we met um, till we started to, hmm. or till I started to seriously consider it. And I also felt, okay, now when you work in in startups, when you work in tech companies, there will ultimately never be the right time. Yes. Like you will never feel like, hey, if you want to have both a career and a family, now is the perfect time. It's likely not going to happen. So at some point I was just, okay, we will figure it out. Mm -hmm. We are both in a place in our careers where at least we are more comfortable with who we are, where we are, we know a bit more what we want. Mm. So let's do it. So we started trying about 
three years ago, I think, mm. a bit less maybe. Initially, also immediately happened. Wow. <laughs> like, okay, now let's figure out how we do it. Got it, got it. So that sounds like something that is very interesting because when you're younger, earlier in your career, there's always that ambition to want to achieve something. So maybe talk me through a bit more about what was the thoughts you had at that point, the trade-off, the thoughts of waiting a bit longer before you started a family then, and also what changed that led you to that realization that yeah. it's not going to slow down. <laughs> <laughs> when I started working, when I was very young, mm. I went through the German educa- uh, vocational training system, which means I started working in banking when I just turned 16. And I think throughout that whole time, it was always very obvious that at entry level, there were the same amount of women than men. Like mm. there was no question that, you know, none of us felt discriminated against. It was just like, hey, we are all young and smart and We want to work and we are good at school and our job. And the more you looked up the senior management team, the more it was, what is changing? What's happening? Mm. And one of the key changes that happened in the bank in which I worked, but then also when I looked around and I looked at other companies, was the moment the women got pregnant, they would take time out. And then when they came back, suddenly they had really boring roles. Like in Germany, you can't, there's some legal protection around it. So you have a job when you come back, but you don't have the job you probably want to have anymore. It felt a bit like women after that were sidelined. And I think that was 20 plus years ago. Moving fast forward to now, some things have changed. Hmm. And I think also the fact that we are having this conversation is great and shows that things are changing. Yep. But a lot of us still are facing that or have dealt with it in our previous careers. Yes. And it's also something that some companies are probably amazing at offering, helping parents, fathers and moms to have it both. Hmm. But most companies, I think, are still struggling. And when you go to events which are about women at work, a lot of it is about work-life balance. (laughs) (laughs) It's not so much about work-life balance. It's also about enabling women when they're back in the office to really feel like they're welcome. And I don't want to always ask about Mm. flexible work. Fortunately, with COVID is a given now, so we don't have to even worry about that anymore. But it's about much more. So I think that was always a worry. And then it was also working in jobs in which you have a lot of business meetings. You're working a lot with clients, with customers that once you're pregnant, it's obvious that you're pregnant. You can only hide (laughs) it for a couple of months. Yeah. What if they perceive me as the pregnant woman yeah. moving forward? It, it's always very obvious. With a guy, you never have to worry about that. Yeah. No one potentially knows that you're going to be a father until you're tired at work <laughs> and you show up. But there was always that worry. So wow. I, I can't point it to something more specific. It was just like that surroundings and how it seemed to have influenced other women in the past. Absolutely. And I think that's the real struggle. So perhaps from the time that you were in college, in university until now, can you describe one change that has happened that you think is worth celebrating? And perhaps one change that has yet to happen and we need to start to make it happen? (laughs) So I think one change worth celebrating is probably that you do have much more 
role models in the industries and also the through social media, you can see them, right? Like they don't mm. have to live next to you or be in the same town in order for you to know them. But they might be on LinkedIn, they might be at conferences you attend or you bump into them at work. So I feel like they're still rare. Mm. It's still, especially when you work in fintech and insure tech, the majority of meetings are likely you're going to be the only woman. It's not uncommon, but it's happening much more now. So I think mm. that and then also it being okay to talk about being a working mom or a working parent. And I think also fathers talking about that, which is why I loved your podcast Thank when you. I saw it, <laughs> because I think that's a big change, right? It's not only about women talking about being moms and how great it is, how they're combining it, but it's also about dads talking about equally yeah. how they are doing it. Gotcha. So that's one thing that I think definitely has changed, the increase in conversations, the increase in awareness. Now, what is one change that hasn't happened, but it needs to happen? <laughs> so I think just the fact that it's still something unusual that you're still celebrating like International Women's Day, like yesterday, right. this big celebration. And then a lot of companies are posting a lot of LinkedIn posts. And like I said, I think some companies walk the talk. But then a lot of companies are probably like, it's just that one great day, a nice event, some flowers. Pink cupcakes. <laughs> yeah. But if you look at the senior management team, yeah. or you look at them the rest of the year and you just don't feel like they're really serious about it. And still, like I said, when I go to panels or when I attended previous events on that topic, what really frustrated me most of the time was companies talking about how important it was to them. But then... In most cases, not a senior male management team member had taken paternity leave. Mm. And it's like, it will always be that man versus women. It will always be that women who want kids will at some point be out for a couple of months. Yes. Men won't. So as a company or as a manager, like it will be in the back of your head, unconscious bias. <laughs> if I hire a woman yep. who might potentially get pregnant, will she leave for a couple of months? Yeah. And I think that's something that I've recently seen it. I'm not sure one of the big consulting companies, the CEOs, I think, posted a post on how he wished he had taken that paternity leave when mm. his kids were born and how he would do it now. And this acknowledgement, this is how you can lead and how you can show that parenting is both parents. It's not only a woman's thing. I 100% agree. And I even went through that journey myself less than two years ago when I was getting ready to welcome my daughter into the world. The first thing that came to mind was maybe I shouldn't take my paternity leave so that I can show that I'm committed and I can be better at president work. I ended up taking that and more. Turned out to be the best decision ever. Yeah, Sandra, you touched on something that's really on point that there is one set of companies or practices that rather say that, oh, you know, we support working moms. And of course, the laws protect it such that you can't penalize them. But then if you come back, you think about the opportunities that are given, how promotions are done, the, the, almost like the softer stuff, the stuff that the law can't cover. Yeah, there are still many companies that I think still need to cross that gap and really walk the talk. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So I'm curious, what are some perhaps ideas on what can be done to really stir this change and accelerate it faster for our daughters? So hopefully when they grow up and enter the workplace, this is less of a problem. Yeah. So I mean, very personal opinion, also from what I felt would have helped 
myself, colleagues that I worked with in the past. But I think that paternity leave thing, companies mm. really standardizing some minimum paternity leave. Yeah. It's just something basic and it's just something that if you do that, it's less men versus women. So for me, paternity leave, enabling it and also having a culture where it's then also kind of expected, you shouldn't have even questioned, should I take it or not? Because hopefully in five or 10 years, there would have been some senior team members and you will be that person. Oh, you are already, sorry. But the young people will even look up more to, okay, who has taken it? And then it's, hey, there are actually people who have taken it and they're brilliant and they have not been penalized for it. And they showed that this is how it should be. And I think that's important because right now it's not done in a lot of cases. So that is one thing. Then allowing women to, I think I listened to one of your previous podcasts of one of your ex-colleagues at, is it McKinsey Digital? Uh, Sorry, BCG Digital Ventures, Ah, right? Yes, BCG. Having a consultant who helps you figure out how to leave for a couple Mm. of months and then how to come back. And of course you could say... If you want kids, figure it out. But then if you offer that as a company, it just shows that you're really committed to helping. And it's ultimately probably not a big expense for a company, but a massive difference for perception and for a woman in that situation. And it's always hard to admit that you're vulnerable or that you're scared about something or that you're not 100% sure how to manage things. But having a kid is a massive change in your life, especially if... So far, you have never had to compromise. You could just take on any work assignment. You could travel anywhere. You never had to think about that. It was like, okay, there's more work coming in. I just take it on. And then suddenly you become a parent and there's opportunity costs to that. And you're like, should I do that? Is it worth it? And which is also great because you're starting to question things. So that helping women to ease out and ease back in. And then just unconscious bias. I think that's one of the great things that have happened. More and more companies are offering it. You can read about it. But there's still so much, every single one, including myself, I sometimes feel like, oh, did I just think that? Yeah. And I'm like, all of us have grown up in a world where it was not normal. And we probably all had some kind of thoughts of, yeah, but it's also a women's thing to figure it out. We have to figure it out. So training on that awareness around that and being open, like the senior management team needs to understand that you need to become more sensitive to it and really understand that this is happening on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, absolutely. I think all these points that you mentioned, Sandra, it's so pertinent and hopefully we'll see that becoming a lot more widespread. There's early leaders and the early adopters. We're in technology, so there's that life cycle curve, but hopefully it can get to the majority quickly. Now I'm going to shift gears a bit back because I also came across one of your LinkedIn posts that you previously opened up and shared about the challenging pregnancy that you had. Perhaps could you tell us a bit more about that experience and what happened? Yeah. So like I said, in our 20s, I always felt like I have all the time in the world. It doesn't have to be now. And then maybe when we were in our 30s and decided to try for a kid, it initially happened very, very quickly. And then we were happy and it was, okay, let's prepare for it and great. And you assume that, or I assumed, (laughs) that everything is going to be all right. I never had many people in my inner circle of friends or also people that I knew that had experienced a miscarriage. So it was just Mm. something that I didn't really worry about. Mm. And then I had a miscarriage. 
and it came quite unexpected and I had not prepared for it at all because I just assumed that everything would be okay with the pregnancy. And I realized what not only is it mentally really tough, but it's also physically really tough. Yeah. So I had to decide, okay, I need a reason at work because I can't go to the office. Doctor also said it's going to take a week or so. Yeah. So, okay, definitely no office pre-COVID. So it's not home office was normal and you could just be working from home for a bit. Yeah. So it was the choice between coming up with a reason or lie mm. or being open about it and say, listen, guys, this has happened. I'm not well. I mean, I continued working at home because I was also like, I need to show that I'm working. And it also helped yeah. me because otherwise I would have obsessed about things because I started Googling you know, and I was like, oh God, what is going to happen? And what does that mean for how easy it will be to have kids? Yeah. So I actually then decided to open up at work and to tell my team. And it was one of the best decisions of my career probably because I started to accept as well that I always believed in that idea of having kind of a work personality and then mm. have your private things and you keep it separate because you shouldn't be too vulnerable at work. But I'm glad I did it because a couple of colleagues reached out to me and they shared similar experiences that were also very tragic and much more tragic probably than my own. And I realized that I never knew that. Yeah. And I don't know, I was, they probably also never told me didn't feel comfortable. I also felt it wasn't something to talk about at work. Um, so I felt bad that they couldn't share that when they had a really hard time in their personal life. Yeah. So it was a good decision. I'm glad I did it. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. And maybe Sandra, could we go back to also talk a bit more about how you dealt with the mental and emotional challenges of going through a miscarriage. It's something that we all know it's there, but I think perhaps if you could give a bit of color as to what the struggles were and of course how you eventually overcame and dealt with them. Yeah. The first thing which which really hit me hard was that it was in I think end of week eight or, or beginning of week nine that I miscarried. So when you are a parent, you know how tiny babies at that point are. And I never assumed that physically it would be there would be contractions or you know, it would be a painful process, but it was actually. Right. And it hit me really hard that for a week there were contractions that I had to go through. Everything hurt. Right. Every time I did a movement or so, everything just seemed to be really sore. So that was really unexpected. And that's what I'm saying. A lot of women probably pre-COVID. Yeah. I don't know if they just went to the office or if they all made up excuses when that happened. I'm like, this is so terrible because yeah. <laughs> it was really bad which is why we need to speak about these things because yes. no one should have to drag themselves to an office or if they don't work in an office, even worse, if they have some job where they can't sit down at a desk at least. So that was really tough. I had the advantage then I was at home, I was in my bed, yep. I was on the sofa, my husband was there, so I was taken care of and that helped a lot. Mm. Mentally, I then started to wonder, suddenly it was, okay, did we wait too long? Is it actually an age thing? And then I Googled statistics and I was, okay, what is the percentage of miscarriages in general? What is it when you are past your 20s, when you're in your 30s? What is the risk? Does it affect like a second pregnancy? And that's also not very healthy. And I should have, you know, sometimes it's, yeah. it's better to not Google because then you 
start obsessing. True. But then suddenly I became worried, right? And my doctor, fortunately, he was very, doesn't mean anything. It happens. Just try And, it. and it's not your fault. Sorry. I just got to ask that. Did you right. go through that phase where you basically started to analyze everything yeah. that happened? Of course, yeah. of course. I mean, I had taken a flight home. It was Christmas time. So I was on two long haul flights. I had just gotten back the next day. The pain started and then the bleeding started another day after. So I was, oh my God, what if? So yeah, so you try to find a reason. You try to analyze everything. Was it because I was working so much? Was it because of the stress? Was it because of something I did? And then, like I said, was it generally because of age? So you really get into that unhealthy cycle of just questioning everything and then my doctor always said he was like just relax and it's all good and it can happen again next month or so but then for the next couple of months I was from being very relaxed about all of it and being like I have all the time in the world and I've seen it with other women who are older than me no issue whatever to oh my god <laughs> and then my husband was sent to germany for work wow so we were in two different continents and i started flying to germany once a month which was also great because it was summertime and munich and oktoberfest time in the end and then a couple of months later it happened again and i got pregnant again and fortunately everything was great and our daughter is healthy and i'm back to okay, it's all natural and like our bodies are, yeah. are meant to go through. Of course, there are cases where it's harder and we were then also lucky, but I'm glad that that level of stress has subsided then. That's wonderful and I'm so glad to hear. So perhaps just going back a bit also after going through that very difficult experience, looking back, what was perhaps one thing that you did or someone helped that really made a difference? Essentially, if there's a piece of advice that you can go through with, let's say, a parent who unfortunately is going through that very same challenge of a miscarriage, what would you say to both the husband and the wife? I think what really helped were just friends or colleagues who just send their wishes. We have your back, take your time and let us know in case we can help or that came over and gave, gave you a hug. But then also didn't question too much yep. unless I started talking about it and they were just there. And then I think very often it's meant in a good way, but what didn't help in that situation was people who were like, oh, it was probably meant to be probably for the best. Yeah. It's okay. It can try again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that I was, I know they mean well, yeah. but just in that moment, it doesn't help. Right. Wait, Sergio, this is really, really impactful and powerful. And even as for me to learn how to support people who might be going through that process, whether it's our partners or even friends who go through. So what was the difference between the friends who were more helpful versus those who had the same intentions, but it didn't come across in the right way? I think the ones that were more helpful, really, the, they were just the ones that showed that they were there, mm. but without saying too much. Right. Because unless you have been through it, you just don't know. And it's one of these things which it's really like, I would never have understood it. I was always first trimester, how close can you be to that baby? It has only been in your belly for a couple of weeks. Yep. It's normal, kind of like once I read the statistics, then I realized and right. that's what a lot of people think. Yep. But 
But the moment you are pregnant, your life changes. You're preparing to have a baby. You just want to protect this tiny human being inside you. And it doesn't matter whether then you were, or it does matter, of course, whether it's a week or five weeks or five months that you have prepared for that. But a couple of weeks of bonding with Hmm. that and preparing for it is already enough. So I would never have, before I went through it, I just had no idea that this is how it is. So I think the ones that really just didn't presume too much Hmm. and they just, we are there, it's tragic, let us know what we can do. Hmm. They were the most helpful ones. Got it, got it. Thank you for that, Sandra. I think this is extremely powerful coming from you and I really hope that also this benefits our audience learning how we can be there as a friend as a family member of someone who might have been through that challenge so how did this whole experience shape when you entered your second pregnancy and that led to of course a much positive outcome but how did it shape you as a parent to be and a parent then when I got pregnant again I think the first time when we started trying and it was just okay let's start trying and then you got pregnant And you immediately, like I said, you immediately look forward to it and you're excited. But at the same time, I was also like, whoa, so fast. Okay, let me get used to all of that. I think then after I had the miscarriage, I was like, no, this is really what I wanted. And I really want it now. There's no doubt. So when I got pregnant again, it was just absolute joy. And just like that, okay, let me relax now. Again, I looked at the statistics, but I also (laughs) listened to my doctor a lot and he was just relax. There's nothing that indicates that anything medically is wrong. Everything looks great and don't worry. And I also had at that point then pretty severe pregnancy nausea. So Mm. I also felt like, okay, it was as annoying as it is, as terrible as it is for a couple of months, because you feel like you're hungover for months and there's nothing that helps. But at the same time, it also was something, it looks like baby is going strong and very healthy. So it then basically, it just felt like it's right and I will figure it out. Mm. And strangely, I think I worried, well, I still worried a lot during the first trimester because I was counting weeks and I was like, okay, last time I had the miscarriage, it was in week nine. So let me get through that. Yep. And then I had a, because a couple of colleagues had shared their similar situation. So I had their dates in mind, which was also worrying on the one hand, but on the other hand, Strangely, I felt like the general worry was less. Mm. And I can't pinpoint why, actually. Got it. Interesting. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. And I'm so glad to hear that. That really brought out that resilience in you. It sounded like you weren't held back by that setback of having a miscarriage. But it was really embracing the second pregnancy with excitement, with joy. And of course, ultimately welcoming a wonderful girl into this world. So it has been 20 months, Sandra. Yes. How has the past 20 months been as a mom? So maybe let me ask a more specific question. What's the best part about the past 20 months of being a mom? Huh. Let me think. So I think just that seeing a human being that you are shaping or seeing like a completely dependent little human being grow into a little person and developing a character and humor. Then also my husband is Indian and German seeing who she is is there one that she's coming after more or like she's constantly changing a bit so we're always trying to figure out my husband always says she's looking more like him (laughs) i feel like she's a complete mix so just that joy of seeing her develop a character becoming such a character 
Yeah, especially now she's probably starting to form sentences or at least speak words and yeah. be a lot more interactive. I think the first six months I remember also for me was very much just caregiving. I didn't really feel like a parent. It's just you just got to yeah. tend to the needs of feeding, <laughs> changing diapers and all. But as they start to learn and interact, it's a lot more joyful. So you mentioned an interesting point also, this whole idea of cross-cultural parenting. So over the past 20 months, what were some of the differences in parenting styles that you and your husband realized that you had? Huh, I think quite a few, but I'm just trying to, okay. So I think the first one is I'm very specific when it comes to certain things that I read about, like in terms of how long she should hmm. be purely breastfed and then start solids and then what about giving her sugar or no sugar and these things. Yep. My husband always tries to give her some, when he has ice cream, he's like, can I give her some, can I give her some of this, some of that? And no, no, no circumstances. But he is very particular, even now that she's 20 months old, which is interesting about starting to think about schooling. Mm. And I'm like, she's 20 months. We will put her in a nursery soon, but my preference is it has to be close. Ideally, some of her friends are there. It should be like a relaxed nursery where it's more around her playing and being a child yep. and I think my husband is thinking about all the best schools that Singapore has to offer and should we try to sign or should we sign up for it now and it's already too late she's already 20 months some of our friends are telling us you should have signed up years ago <laughs> <laughs> get on those waiting lists or something yeah, exactly. <laughs> so my husband is like oh my god and I'm like if you care about it that's on you you do it <laughs> for me as a chairman it's fine she will be fine she will get so much support from us as well and we will find some the, the right schooling for her yeah but she's just so young like i just don't think it will make a big difference right now that's my opinion but i know yeah. that my husband is a very different one but then at the same time i do care tremendously about health insurance mm. the moment she was born i i signed up for a proper health insurance like years ago and my husband, it was one of the first few years of our relationship, one of the key points of concerns where I was, are we on the same page in terms of risk taking and whatever, because he just didn't have a proper health insurance. He was always like, oh, I have my health insurance with my employers. And I'm like, yeah, but yep. if you leave, then yep. you're switching health insurance. If you ever develop a chronic disease, you're not covered. So I signed her up for health insurance the moment she was born or before already. And I was like, okay, there's a baby coming. You know, what's the process? Yep. And that's very important for me, like covering these basics. And then the day-to-day, -day, I think both of us are sometimes stricter and sometimes more relaxed. I love that she's wild and she's a bit of a rascal and <laughs> just quite funny. And I think both of us actually love that about her. So I think these are... Wow, I see the joy on your face and it's something that I guess our audience can only hear from the voice, but it's evident. So Sandra, one child, are you going to stop there? What's the plan? <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up with two sisters. Hmm. My husband is a single child. So we have had a lot of discussions about, for me, it's single child, no way. So... <laughs> There has to be a second one. I think my husband would be okay with one. But yeah, I think so much work, but also so much fun. Absolutely. I think parenting is one of those things that, like you said, it's hard to describe it when you aren't one. You hear stories about it. In fact, I feel like more horror stories than anything. <laughs> but it also brings such an unspeakable joy that it's so yeah. different from work or career. Right? 
Yeah. So over the past 20 months of being a parent, Sandra, how has parenthood also shaped the way you work, shaped the way you lead your teams at work? Yeah. I think the first thing is being much more personal or being much more comfortable with having a more personal and vulnerable leadership style. Mm. Before I was always, not everyone likes that. I think there are some people who are like, you're oversharing. That's not something for work. Why is she talking about that? But I think what I realized was it makes me much more authentic. Mm. And I want to be able also to understand what my team is going through. Because only if I know what they're going through, can I have their backs when needed. And I can't expect them to share if they don't know anything about myself. Then I think another lesson as well, and that was actually what I learned from someone in my team who had a baby much earlier than myself when she was still in her 20s. And she joined us being a a new mom, or like at that point, I think her daughter was one year old, Hmm. but about radical prioritization. Hmm. And initially I was a bit, she was great and she was so motivated, but then she was also saying, hey guys, is that meeting in the evening really required or that additional work that you gave me? What is the priority versus all the other five or 10 things that I have? And I was like, is she not just doing it? (laughs) (laughs) All of us are just having so many different things. And one thing I learned was Mm. was one of the the most productive person among everyone, all of us probably, and because she prioritized. And she was voted by everyone in the company in year two or so where she was with us as uh, the best employee in the company. And she was doing amazing work and everyone recognized that. But she also did not hesitate to push back. Mm -hmm. And that was amazing. And that is what I learned from her. When I was looking at everything that I was working on, there were so many tasks where I thought, do they really have an impact? Mm -hmm. Or should I really do them? Or could we just hire a more junior person to take care of them? which would free up a lot of my time. Mm. And then the tasks that didn't really have an impact where we were just like, oh, we need to work on this or that question more, right? Like, why are we trying to do this? What is the outcome that we expect? So radical prioritization and a more humane or empathetic, authentic leadership style. Yeah. Wow. It sounds like that was quite a transformation and shift. And it's also learning from other parents who have gone through that process. That's beautiful. Well, you've shared a lot of wisdom with us, Sandra. And if I can just push and challenge to kind of wrap up today's conversation, what is one lesson you have learned as a parent in tech? (laughs) I think also radical prioritization and also that there will be times when you feel like you can do it all. Hmm. and everything is going amazing and you feel like I'm a great mother and I'm great at work at what I'm doing. And then it's okay that you sometimes have times where the balance is a bit off or where you just feel like you need to rely more on your support network. Here in Singapore, fortunately, most of us, a lot of us have our helpers, our nannies at home, which we have one that our daughter loves and she has so much fun with her and we trust her. And I'm very happy that she's there. And at times I rely on her much more than I thought initially I would. When in the first couple of months, I was like, everything has to be me because I'm the best person to know what she needs. And now I'm like, Hmm. it's totally fine that she has more people around her that she's really comfortable with. So that as well, rely on your network, on your support network. 
That's beautiful. Build a team and rely and trust and empower them to do it. So very much at work and also back at home. Correct. It's such a joy to talk to you today, Sandra. If some of our audience, especially moms, would love to connect with you, how can they best do so? I think LinkedIn is a great place to connect. I usually read my messages, so just reach out there. Sure, we'll do that. Well, thank you so much, Sandra, for joining us today on Parents in Tech. Such a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Parents in Tech podcast with me, your host, Tsingen. We hope you were inspired on how to raise kids and build companies. To catch up on earlier episodes or stay updated with upcoming ones, head over to www.parents.fm to join our community of parents in tech. There, you can also drop me a question, idea, feedback, or suggestion. Once again, the website is www.parents.fm. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time.